0: Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 126, and my guests this week are Gabe Jacobson and Colin Schultz of Flying Finish Rally Sport, the proud new owners of the Rally.Build brand. Not only are they able to provide everything from tires to spill kits or anything you need to help get a competitor past tech inspection, but Gabe and Colin are grassroots rallyists getting ready for the upcoming LSPR. So grab a cold one and have your Gabe memes ready for the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and well, it's been a few weeks since our last episode, and since then, the WRC has crowned the youngest ever world champion in New Zealand. Uh, I'll admit one reason I've delayed in getting these podcasts done is I do actually follow other motorsports, and I must say, it's it's not easy. WRC events are time-consuming. There's a lot of stages to follow if you want to actually kind of follow everything, and I do and probably should just catch highlights and a lot of it. But man, those roads in New Zealand, if you haven't watched it, I mean... What they call the WRC when it goes to Finland, like it's like going to a Grand Prix. If that's true, then I must say New Zealand is like, what, going to Six Flags to see people going crazy on a roller coaster because uh, that's what those roads are like. The cars are just dancing back and forth through all those campered corners. I don't know if there's any other place in the world that has. Camber like that on a gravel road that is just perfect for driving a car at speed. The closest I can think of is that we have here would be in some of the areas around uh, the lakes that you have at Ojibwe. Those have some nice camber in some of those, but they're narrower, they're sandier, they don't have that hard rock base where you can go as fast. And it's, it's not quite the same, but wow. It was awesome to see the cars back in New Zealand. Yeah. It's been way too long, 10 years since they were last there. Catching those on boards. It was just awesome. Congrats to Kali Ravimpera for being crowned the new champion with Toyota team. One thing that also factored into that was interesting. Uh, and I talk a little bit with Colin about this is, you know, the hybrid stuff. There's penalties, multiple penalties for too many watts kilowatts or whatever coming out of those uh, hybrid units and that's just an interesting thing because it's still a black box when it comes to uh, what they show to the media as far as how those hybrid units are working. In this stage, there's a little bit bit of a meter. You can see kind of some of the stuff, but it doesn't really give us much information of how much that's helping, hurting. Anyway, just one of my gripes about the series is that if you're going to go hybrid, you should be highlighting that as a big deal. And so far, they kind of just keep it as this kind of hidden thing. And all you see is like when they're hitting the accelerator, supposedly boost and regen. But I don't even know how real that is, or if it's just kind of stuff made for making the screen look interesting. So anyway, in another endurance sport last weekend, Imza's Petit Le Mans, son of the real Stig, Tom Blumquist drove the MeyerShank Racing Acura DPI car to the overall win and claimed the championship, along with co-drivers uh, Elio Castroneves and Oliver Jarvis. I bring this up because Tom's dad. He's 1984 WRC champion Stig Blumquist. Yes, the original Stig. And he actually competed in the USA in a few events, including the 1973 and 1974 Press On Regardless rally in a Saab. And that is the event we know today as LSPR, the next and final event of the American Rally Association Championship. So I thought that was pretty cool. Anyways, enough fun facts. Let's go on ahead with our chats with Gabe Jacobson and Colin Schultz right after this word from our supporters. Go, five right, short over crest into second, small crest, 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this
1: is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, advanced rally training.
2: Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team.
1: Email
0: osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, as I stated in our introduction, we have with us our special guests this evening, Gabe Jacobson and Colin Schultz. Gentlemen, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast.
1: Hey, Mike. How's it going, Mike? Wait, wait, wait. we got to kick us off. There we go. There
0: we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're definitely avid listeners. I love it. <laughs> well, I would have done the same, but uh, you would have heard a shaker sound instead because I- I'm going a little high class. I, I have <laughs> these like can of uh, pineapple juice and I'm like, pineapple margarita sounds really good right now. And I had a lime sitting on the counter and you're like, I got to use that lime before it kind of start to shrivel up, right?
2: You're talking talking to the regional guys and you went with the national class drink. I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like to give everybody equal attention if I can, you know. But yeah, you know, Mar- Mar- Marguerite is looking pretty good right now. And I must say, it tastes pretty damn good, too. We've
2: got ourselves, let's see, I've got an Austin Brothers Snowdrift Bonfire Alley Brown.
1: And I've got the Austin Austin Brothers Press
0: On Pale Ale featuring Steve Gingras and Katie Gingras. I can see we're, we're awesome. <laughs> Well, now, voice-wise, I, I got to get you guys to say who's got which beer so I know who's who. Oh, that's that's true. Gabe has the bonfire. <laughs> and Colin has the press-on pale ale. Okay, there we go. So, Gabe, first of all, is it Jacobson or is it more like Scandinavian Jakobsen? It's It's Jacobson. The H, I think, is a
2: German thing. So it usually means I can get usernames pretty easily. Damn, you just, I
0: was going to say, you should just go like, you know, I'm, I'm all in rally. It's Jakobsen, man. <laughs> it's got to be worth a couple extra, you know, speed factor miles per Second hour. Second a right? mile, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I've I've been messaging with you guys and we people, you know, me, uh, chat online and all that stuff. Kind of known you guys through that quite a bit. There's actually some exciting news that you've been wanting to share that came out just recently. So tell us about the big changes that's going on in your guys' little world.
2: Yeah, so, you know, there aren't that many rally suppliers in the sort of niche market in the U.S., and all the ones that exist are are super useful, super friendly, and I feel like we've all bought from all of them. So when I built my car, the place you always get your visual packs from was Rally.Build. So that's how I got to know them and you know, basically kept buying little tidbits from them and got to know Grant Hughes that way. And then all of a sudden just kind of got the feeling that it might have been for sale, started chatting with him. And then a few months later, yeah, Colin and I uh, went in on it 50-50 and... Flew over to to Grant's place in Whitefish, Montana, and dragged everything back in a box truck, which was extremely broken. Oh, man. But we made it. (laughs) But, yeah, so super excited. And it's all happened a little fast, but all the owners of the business have been super awesome about helping us transition. And you could tell they really want to see it succeed. You know, I think everyone hits that point where they're just – Getting pretty busy and ready for some new people to, to take over and run with it. So we're excited to do our best to do that.
0: You know, that's kind of how I got this podcast, actually. <laughs> Open Paddock was actually uh, run by some other guys. And, you know, life got busy and whatnot. And they saw that the rallying thing was taken over and they uh, handed over the keys to me. So I understand how that can work. You want to do it justice and make sure it's successful. And I think you guys are ones that seem like you're very dedicated to the job and do that. Give us an example, I guess, of some of the stuff that you guys are doing out there.
1: A lot of it right now is just over the last month, it's just been learning the ropes. How does the Shopify platform work? You know, how do we fulfill orders, shipping, all this other stuff and just figuring out how it works. And now that we've kind of settled ourselves in, we've got stuff organized. It's just starting to create relationships with vendors, getting new logins, and, you know, just kind of lightly brainstorming like what can we do to begin to grow this brand and kind of like plant our feet further into the into the rally community and what other communities, specifically local communities, can we reach out in and help supply anything and everything for motorsports wise? Yeah. And I think like I mentioned, there aren't that many suppliers that are that are US based. I mean, some of the bigger
2: ones you have like Blake and everyone at Primitive and then Bill Petro and everyone at Broken Motorsports and, you know, all these places have one big thing they're known for, I think, right? Like mm-hmm. Primitive, you think skid plates, like Broken Motorsports, they've got their cage kits and stuff. And then builds always been, like, the, the custom products. So just things, the little things that you need to help get you on stage. So, like, spill kits... First aid kits, like we sell a starter kit with like the triangles and all the little stickers you need. So just those bits and pieces that can be pieces that can be a pain in the neck to, to
0: find. All the things you forget about to pass tech. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are also grassroots competitors. I know that, uh, Gabe, you've competed in, I think, seven or so events. Colin, you're a little new to it. How did you guys first get involved in rallying and then how did you meet each other?
2: Yeah, so in, in my case, it was... I always think it's a bit of a scheme. So I, I went to UMass Amherst for College in Western Massachusetts and I was in the motorsport club there and there was a you know a faculty sponsor that's just supposed to help the club run. And that was a guy by the name of Emmanuel Sichet, which might ring a bell. And so he's a genius in that he used that motorsport club as a way to like recruit overly eager college kids with too much time on their hands <laughs> and, and so i started crewing for uh him and margaret and it's just immediately snowballed really so i was at rally Deffy with them in canada ton of stories came out of that one and then the the big one that got me hooked was i crewed for them at the mount washington hill climb actually in 2017 which was just unreal and you're like hanging out with pastrana the day before because they're just hanging out with all the competitors and i was like all right this is cool so i entered a, a hill climb like the day i got back in a my bmw 135 which was a horrible idea rocketed up at the mountains like they have a breakout rule so if you go under a certain time without a cage you get kicked out it's kind of like kind of like drag racing mm-hmm. and that car had way too much power so i got kicked out i was like all right i need something slow so that's when i started building the e30 and yeah it just it kept growing so the the big incident with that car was uh <laughs> so my my first rally i was going to do was new england forest rally in 2019 and like a month before i'm at a hill climb and I rolled the car <laughs> oh no yeah it was it was uh, it was this whole thing so I had Maggie Chirac co-driving for the first time and you know there's always that saying like you have rally drivers that have rolled and have yet to roll we got her to tick the box early I guess You're just getting it out <laughs> early yeah <laughs> it was a busy time so it was I think I rolled the car and then three weeks later I was in grad school at the time and I had my master's defense so it was roll car, fixed car, defend thesis, and then it was like immediately NEFR after that. We managed to get there in time, but it was like the first introduction to just complete rally chaos before events that always seems to happen. Sounds
1: about right. What about you, Colin? So I kind of got a little bit of background. Is like I, I fix cars for a living. I, I work for Tesla uh, currently right now. But a couple, probably like five, six years ago, I started wrenching on cars on the side just because I wanted more money to do whatever. At that time, it was building my college graduation project. I bought an 03 Lancer Evolution just to have and bought and built that for the street and all, sor- all sorts of fun things. And the capacity of work that I was doing was going to be a little bit too much on the side. And I had met a friend of a friend, and he let me borrow his shop, which some people might know as Eric Carlson. Oh, wow. uh, I used to run the the, the 608 uh, numbered green yep. green frog Eclipse back in the day. He retired at LSBR in 2019. Oh,
0: clip. Eclipse, yeah. And
1: I got to know him through a friend of a friend and then he's just like, where do you do all your work? And I was like, oh, in my driveway. And then he's like, nope, can't do that. Come to my shop and do it. So, you know, it was like Every once in a while, I'd go to a shop, work on a car, blah, 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 blah. He's such a great guy. And then he's the kind of the one that got me introduced into it altogether. And ironically, the, the shop that we're sitting in is still the same shop. And that's where we run the Rally.build HQ out of. So anyways, he kind of retired and then kind of told me to take the reins from there. So that's when I bought a car with one of my guys that I wrenched with here. And then we started. Tore that apart, bought a caged shell from a formerly PMR motorsports car, threw everything in that. And then literally two weeks ago, finished it Friday at 6.09 in the morning after pulling an all-nighter and went to work for four hours and then drove three hours to the UP and competed at Hardwood Cup Rally the, the next day. And the most fun I've ever, ever, ever had in a car was that event. And I'm very much looking forward to LSPR in a couple weeks. So so
0: your first time in a car doing a stage rally, what, what was your experience? Because, I mean, like, pace notes are a thing, man. It makes our sport pretty unique. Uh, how was it adapted? to that or were you we just mostly kind of driving what you saw and making sure you're just getting to the finish and learning the notes in that way
2: well colin cheated because hard hardwood's a tulip rally so he yeah. got it easy ah.
0: <laughs>
1: yep i co-drove that one with uh eric's son jake carlson uh, and who had co-driven for eric so he had Plenty of experience and pointers, and honestly, like you know, he said, I cheated and he made it super easy, so I benefited from that. I previous to that, I had zero on stage experience, so that was essentially what I called just the shakedown for LSPR, and it was very much a shakedown for LSPR, just working all the small kinks out of the car. So, yeah, Colin's definitely got the do as I say, and not as I do thing going. Like,
2: we're always preaching, people always ask, How do I get into sport? Like, what's the best way to start? and feel like both of us usually preach the buy an na subaru type approach and instead collins built this like absolutely gorgeous thing from the ground up that's turbo everything like high compression engine and it's been super cool to see the like he's doing it that way and i'm just trying to cobble something together to get to the end of the (laughs) stage so
0: oh that's hilarious we'll see how long the polish stays on collins car right oh it's already gone it's already (laughs) the high compression motors and whatnot, they sound good for as long as they last anyway. Yep. Hopefully it lasts a couple of years, but we'll see. Well, you've got, <laughs> got plenty of shiny
1: Helltech things to help that out. Oh right yeah. Here. There's <laughs> plen- plen- plenty of things to make sure the engine doesn't blow up before it actually blows up. So <laughs> what,
0: what I didn't think I heard those, how you two met. Oh
2: yeah. So this one was just one of those ridiculous rally stories. So I, I smashed my oil pan in the E30 at Ojibwe and unbeknownst to me, Colin was actually volunteering there and, Saw a rather famous incident of me going by after that. <laughs> um, so I, I ended up my car fixed. And this is like the pandemic happened and this, that, and the other. And so I was like, all right, I'm bored. I'm going to snow drift. I'll go volunteer. And that was... Snowdrift. I forget which year, but it was 2021. Yeah, yeah, and that was the first event with RallySafe. So I was at a finish control, and very quickly we realized that the number of volunteers you need to, like, make a time control work well went down because of RallySafe.
0: To, like, one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's very So I'm just sitting around and I basically, I asked the stage captain, like, can I just go hang out at Flying Finish? Like, not that much to do. So I go up and these guys have, like, an air fryer with pizza rolls going and, like, a whole setup. I was like, oh, this is gonna be good get to chatting with colin and two hours into this we go oh where are you from madison wait what part of madison like the west side and lo and behold we live like five minutes from each other and we met eight hours away at the same control point at a rally that's
0: awesome (laughs) that's definitely how the rally stories happen though it's that tight Mm -hmm. knit -knit community that finds each other right yep let's talk about uh upcoming lspr you guys are both entered any goals or aspirations for that one
2: finish the rally yeah (laughs) i think
0: even for me it's just start
2: the rally i mean it's amazing how we're just doing the whole privateer thing where if you break something you gotta fix it and repreps on you so things like day jobs and significant others like you got to allocate your time and and make real life happen and try and reprep a car. So we're both going to be in a bit of a sprint, but <laughs> you, you you much more than me. But yeah. yeah, my car is is up on literally up on cinder blocks. I have my suspension sent out to get rebuilt. Yeah, just heard a ton about that event and super excited.
0: Oh, cinder blocks! I would have thought that the wheels were stolen or something. <laughs> You're also using a co-driver from out west.
2: Yeah, so Dylan. So I actually don't know Dylan. I have a bit of a ridiculous streak going where I have never had the same co-driver twice. Dylan will be co-driver eight, and I just, I kind of mail order them at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, I put a post up like, hey, anybody looking to co-drive? And Dylan jumped right in. He was super pumped. So we still have some planning to do, and hopefully that'll work out. But yeah, definitely excited. I I always say I need to keep an accolade page of all the different sayings the different co-drivers have had. Like the, the first rally I finished was Snowdrift. I think it was 2020. I mean, I had Scott Rudy co-driving for me, and he had, like, I asked at the end, I was like, so be honest, how'd I do? And he just looks around for a minute, and he goes, you seem to crash with some intelligence, so I'll give you that. And I was like, you know, I'll
0: take it. <laughs> well, you've had Bryce Proceus in your car, so you know ridiculous antics. So Dylan kind of <laughs> falls into that same kind of category. So I think you get along just fine. Yeah,
2: yeah. having Bryce <laughs> Bryson at, at Snowdrift was great. So I had never driven... All wheel drive car to rally before and snowdrift this past year was very much an ice drift event. Oh,
0: yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, it was, uh, especially that second pass. It was just, oh my goodness, the it, was, way, it right? was
2: an adventure. I mean, the the advantage was having four wheel drive, we could make it up the Hunter's Agron Hill, which not everybody could, nope. but yeah, it was like that first stage. You go in, like, yeah, I'll, I'll drive slow, like, new car, I'll learn it. And I think we still went off like three times, we almost hit a deer. So I'm sitting there going, "Oh man, this is a mess." And then by the end of that stage, I think we'd passed two or three cars and it was it was just an unbelievable adventure.
0: <laughs> Snowdrift is one that I have not been to. It's just bad time of year for me to get out there, but wow. Yeah, those conditions are just nuts and and for the crew guys especially having to work on a car in those conditions. ugh.
2: That's why I don't bring spares. I don't want to give them things to
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> way to think well they probably appreciate that but can make for a short weekend
2: honestly the best feature of that you know everybody talks about bonfire alley and it, it is a spectacular stage to run but just having that as like a carrot at the end of the stick where like don't bin it you have to run bonfire oh well, I forget what the new name of the stage is I'm, I'm horrible it's
0: fun. Oh, I forget too. But yeah, <laughs> well, I think they renamed it because they were hoping a bunch of the locals wouldn't come out because they were having issues with uh, staffing They had really the the organizers did not get as many volunteers as they were hoping and they didn't want a huge crowd of uh, fans coming in and along that stage and getting into dangerous spots, that they could control them. So I think that was one of the reasons of uh, kind of altering the name to kind of hide that part of it was bonfire yeah
2: pretty spectacular turnout of spectators there and i'm always amazed with how well behaved they are for how much drunken shenanigans inevitably occurs (laughs) but yeah the spectators are awesome there and there's that one like you know right before the alley right there's a, a really sharp like left two or hairpin whatever you want to call it and it's just like a party corner so yeah i think al danis and i both did donuts there this year and
1: it's just a fun time
0: so, Colin, you've done, like I said, a shakedown event. You're getting ready for LSPR. So who do you have as a co-driver? You worked with them before?
1: It'll be uh, Jake Carlson, again. It, it was a pretty easy ask of him because it's his favorite event. And the the other co-driver that I have is out of state doing other you know business related things so he wasn't able to to come in and help and he's just a hop skip and jump away up in minneapolis to come over to marquette so it was he'll be back in the silly seat again and helping me understand recce and how all that works again and just essentially just being a teacher in the right seat
0: here's a question as as just a curious person when you're a newer driver grassroots guy you build your own car i mean that gives you a little bit of an advantage because you know your car real well yep what aspects are you looking for then in a co-driver because do they need to be mechanically inclined because more often than not grassroots guys when they're just starting out there's going to be stuff you have to fix along the way yeah or is it as long as they can hand me the right tool with the right name i'm good it would probably be probably be the second um he's definitely said that he's
1: not the most mechanically inclined but if you tell him what he needs to do he'll do it the one thing that I've learned about this car is just not having like an insane emotional attachment to it like I have with other previous like higher power car or just like toys that I've had and knowing that I'm probably not gonna be the one working on it especially in service and I can't do anything because I have other responsibilities which is getting the car back to service and making sure it can go on the trailer at the end of the night is the ultimate goal so having him more as like a mental teacher just Showing me the roots and making helping me become a better driver is probably the primary uh, goal of having someone like him in the passenger seat. And Jake's Jake's really good.
2: You know, Colin mentioned the like mind control bits that a co-driver has, and Jake's awesome about that. And I was talking to him offline, and Jake would probably kill me for saying this. But <laughs> we were like, yeah, we got to keep slowing Colin down because. He gets to hardwood and like, yeah, there are inevitable little issues with the car that you have to sort out because we finished it like the day before. Mm -hmm. But at the at the last stage,
1: like, yeah, his competitors had some other mechanical issues, but I I think Colin won it by a second one. Yeah. Adam Van Dam had 1342 on the last stage and I had 1341. And I think Tim Michael and his Audi had some uh, had some suspension issues and might have hit something. And I think inevitably inevitably slowed him and Al Dantes down, which is why they had higher times. But I still somehow managed to pull that off, which is slightly terrifying, but also very exciting. Yeah, it's bad. We gotta keep <laughs> slowing him <them> down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that is, uh, you know, something that Gelsaminos have taught me. You know, is uh, how a co-driver can just deliver the notes a little slower, and suddenly. The driver slows down a little bit. You want to get them to pick up the pace? You start calling notes faster and they have to learn to keep up.
2: Yep. Yeah, definitely. I always find, like, Bryce was really good about this. Like, just taking a second and yelling at me if I was doing something wrong. Like, I all the time was driving that car like it was rear-wheel drive and Bryce would go, Gabe? Not an E30, and that was all it took to, like, basically whack me in the head and try and recalibrate the noggin a little bit, but...
0: So, what was the uh, decision process to switch from doing the E30 into the, the Subaru?
2: Oh, man. I'm, I can hear, like, Dan Downey and Kevin Brolin <laughs> yelling at me. So, th- those two guys also rally E30s, and uh uh-huh. can't thank them enough for all the times they helped me at, like, the 11th hour, but... It was just one of those where you start chasing a car mechanically, like you keep almost finishing rallies and just the little stuff happens that drives you nuts. And I I never really had the time to like properly get that car completely straightened and reinforced and everything after the roll. So it, I just felt like I was chasing it and didn't have the time to to dedicate it that was To it that was necessary so i sold it to i think it was a group of guys that bought it but levi johnson was one of them and you know it was another just like colin you know they volunteered a while and were looking to make the jump and they they are putting some serious time into fixing that thing so excited to see that back but yeah i sold the car and immediately i was like wow i'm way more sad than i realized it was gonna be (laughs) (laughs) and then the next day so the car i bought used to be dave henderson's old car bought it from a guy named dave peckham and it's like it has all the nice parts on it, so I was like, Wow, I can't afford that at all. And Dave had it at an endurance race and blew the engine up and slashed the price. The day after I sold my rally car, I was like, Oh no. Slash it in half. Yeah. Like twenty-eight thousand <laughs> to fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> now my now my super champion numbers are gonna be disputed. So thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs>
2: yeah i bought it like sight unseen shipped it over here and buying someone else's rally car like you're you're always going to find things you have to work on so it took a while to get it totally sorted but yeah it's just it's been an adventure
0: And why was it, uh, Colin, that you wanted to build something so pristine? Is it just your tinkering that you just love building cars? And so I was like, Yeah, let's go for the uh, high-end, high-compression, build it out proper in in that respect? Or what was the impetus for that? Oh,
1: doing all, like, the, the performance work that I do on the side, which all my side performance work funds what I do with that, it's zero day job money goes into that car which is kind of a cool little thing I like to say yeah. but seeing all the, the stuff that I've worked on and seeing some of the work that other people do I couldn't consciously something that I knew that someone else had built and it was just something in the back of my mind it was like okay well I've never I've never properly built a car from scratch but if there's a time to do it especially from like a safety standpoint it was like this could be done properly if I if you know we did it from the ground up and that was kind of the emphasis behind it and really the only thing that we didn't do from the ground up was obviously buying the caged shell just simply because caging the 06 STI that we originally had was way more expensive than buying the caged shell that, that we had purchased from Blaze in Illinois. So that was, I mean, other than having the cage, everything else has been from the ground up, polished, gone through, built, rebuilt, whatever you want to call it. And ultimately, like, like you had said earlier, just kind of knowing the car and everything that goes on with it and, you know, yeah. just the mechanic you know, all the mechanical stuff behind it. So
0: build it for reliability first. Speed second. (laughs) I think
2: my favorite moment was, uh, so we finally, like, it fires up. You know, we're all giddy, haven't slept at all. And Colin goes to test driving and gets back. He's like, why is it so slow? And keep in mind, this guy, like, is used to building fuel systems for, like, 900 horsepower drag racing Evos. So, like, I I go to drive it with him. I was like, what are you talking about? This thing's a rocket ship.
0: (laughs) Yeah, wait, wait till you, you start doing that power on gravel. It's very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much different.
2: <laughs> yeah. Collins also, since it's it's turbo, he has to run the 30 mil novice restrictor. Oh. Um, which also means if he beats me at LSPR when I have the 36, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there might be a
1: Subaru for sale.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a rivalry there. But oh, that, yeah, that restrictor. I've heard others have issues with their engines. I'm guessing you, you, you tuned it to work with that restrictor, because otherwise, ugh, yeah. you might have some issues.
1: Yeah, that is that has probably been the Achilles heel of everything so far, is, you know, literally watching the, the boost pressure on the, the, the dash go from, like, 18, like, from 2,000 RPM, literally almost down to, like, zero, just because it can only move so much air through that restrictor, and the engine just breathes and moves air so fast that... It simply just can't even keep up, and all the, the tuners that I have at Helltech, uh, Josh and Rick, and then Sheldon at 14.7 Solutions, have all looked at it, and we're just like, it's a boost leak. it's The coupler collapsing, and come to find out, which we still have to technically prove the theory, but we're 95% sure that it's literally just the restrictor doing its job, yep. which is causing what looks like a potential error, which is literally nothing. It's just how... It's just the behavior of the car itself. Starved for air,
0: yeah.
2: It's completely our fault for breaking the golden real rule of regional, which is do not put a turbo on it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, at least there's that option right now. Yep. You know, you can you can build the car as a turbo car that you're going to keep, yep. right, instead of a whole new build. I like the idea that we can do this now versus... the the forcing of you being nothing but naturally aspirated to start out with. I I didn't agree with that, and I think the fact they came up with a solution that not only satisfies satisfies the rule makers, but also satisfies, you know, the safety and the the insurance, it's better than the other option, you know?
1: Yeah,
2: and I think that's something a lot of privateers run into, right? I mean, you look at the rule sets and you want to try and pick a class that you're going to have fun in, but you can also probably run for a long time. Right. So if you have to build a separate car to get something like a novice requirement, does that's things like that are they're barriers to entry that you know I think ARA uh, has done a great job removing slowly but surely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's me. My other question is again, grassroots guys, you're not looking to you know win a championship anytime, at least in the next year, but that may change. You might go for a regional here, uh, in not too long, depending on how things go. But you know, I, I kind of chatted with you guys about what you guys think of the ARA rule set. You know, there's Obviously, NASA as well. I know something ARA has been working on for a long time is trying not to make too much of a barriers to to entry, but because there is such a variation, trying to still keep it competitive. I understand the challenges having been listening to on how a lot of the decision making, you know, that's been done by Preston and the guys. And it's not an easy job come up with a rule set that kind of works for everybody. But it's especially hard, I think, sometimes to fit these grassroots guys in when you've got these guys at the top that want to abuse everything right
2: yeah mm-hmm. we're, we're really lucky with what we have i mean it's super easy to find something you don't like about the rule set and and complain and take it for granted but i mean just the variety that we're allowed to have like if you just want to build a car and get on stage you go two-wheel drive and basically can do whatever you want i mean mm-hmm. that's where you get obviously we have the infamous rexine right. situation <laughs> and then You know, you also have, like, Adam in the Volvo. Like, there's just this huge spectrum of cars in two-wheel drive. And they're all awesome, and they're all getting people seat time. And then, like, on the other end of the regional spectrum, I think the like the big rule change that kind of spiced things up in the was the when you could put an H6 in the naturally aspirated class. Like, yeah. that one's a little divisive, because, like, is it still open light? Whatever. But I just think it's cool that you see, like, Steve Gingras and, you know, everyone dropping an H6 in their car and going rocket ship mode, and mm-hmm. I just think it's a blast to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, the, the H6 thing... <laughs> those are impressive machines. Not only, first of all, for, for me as a fan, the sound is awesome. They just sound Yeah, great. no, it's super uh, great. <laughs> it's amazing what two extra cylinders can do. Yeah, for those guys that are just running at the very front up there, I mean, it, it's almost like when you've got the guys that are doing limited four-wheel drive and they've got sequentials and they're, these guys are just that extra level above. Even though they're in the same class technically, nobody's going to be close to them, right? Exactly.
2: That's why we went limited. And
0: the guys <laughs> running that, are comfortable driving that because they're already fast, and so I don't have any qualms with it. I think they're a great car to see and hear. And to be honest, you know they're right up there with some of those you know limited four wheel drive guys without the heat of a turbo.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think it's it's really interesting like comparison. You get the 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 heavier, more powerful turbo cars going up against the the momentum. Better drive it at eleven tenths. NA cars, I I think it's fun to watch. I think also, like, you can kind of measure how the rule set is doing just by looking at the the entry lists. And, I mean, out here in the, like, the newly formed central region specifically, it's it's going nuts. Like, there are a ton of rallies out here between the ARA ones, and then also we've got all, all the cool NASA, like, cup rallies and everything, and it's just been super cool to, like, even since Colin and I got to know each other, to see new teams starting in Wisconsin and surrounding areas, and I I just think it's super cool watching the sport grow.
0: So LSPR, talk about that again. Colin, you've never competed there before, but you volunteered. And and, uh, Gabe, you have competed there before, is that right?
2: No, so this will be my first time too. Colin and I, we both volunteered there last year. So we were thinking, how can we take a, the next step in our volunteer endeavors, which with Rally basically means you have to get a ham radio license. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, we plan to do it for a while and LSPR is getting a little closer, still had not done it. And then LSPR is really close. And we're like, uh oh, and so the two of us like studied for
1: what was it like a day and a half or something? Well, not, not even. We said we were going to study for like four hours uh-huh. The before. <laughs> like, the the evening before the test, and I totally forgot what we were even doing. But then we get back to his apartment, studying an hour and a half, studying the online flashcards an hour and a half before the before the exam. And then we get to the exam, and we you know he's in his bedroom, I'm in his like dining room. We're both doing our tests or whatever. And they've you know to put the online testing in perspective, you have to have your your phone out in the same chat. You have to have your your laptop camera looking right at you. You right. have to like pan around the room. You know, they're like super, super, super strict about it.
0: Right. For you to do it from home, they're going to make sure that you're not looking up something. So they want to see you.
1: Exactly. So and uh, at the end of the test... You know, we, we both passed and Gabe me by one point, which he holds <laughs> above my head for eternity. The, the, like, the test master or whatever tells Gabe, he's like, is there someone else yeah, they, there doing doing a test or whatever? They and, stopped me halfway through my test and, like, they thought they thought we were cheating
2: because there were two people with the same IP same address. Same IP address, you Yeah, and up. we're like, no, no, we just really, we're trying to get our ham licenses. We're in the same room and, or the same apartment. Yeah. It was just ridiculous, but we made it, so... Anyone listening, that's how you're not supposed to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, in general, they say it's a it's a license to learn for that kind of thing, too, right? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you're never going to know everything.
2: One awesome thing about the radio stuff at the rally is there are, like, ham radio absolute gurus at every single rally ever. Oh, yes. So <laughs> all you have to do is go up to one and be like, this is not working. Can you help? <laughs>
1: yeah. Or can you tune it to the station just so I can have it? And you don't even have to be an expert by any means. You just... Find someone to tune your radio and then know how to do rally speak on ham radio and you're good to go. And that opens up a bazillion different volunteering positions, which ultimately lead to less responsibility in watching more of the the race. So <laughs> if you want to do less work and have more fun, get your ham license.
0: <laughs> there you go. You, you do still have responsibilities, but that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, uh, you, you, you do. But it's, it, you don't have to be doing all the time control stuff. If you exactly. Want exactly. You're really just kind of you're on a log sheet. You're watching what's happening, but yeah, your main role is safety. Exactly. You know, you're, you're seeing what cars are going by, and you're recording them as they go by, and you know, somebody you have to be paying attention enough to you know if somebody pipes in that hey, we haven't seen car so and so, have they passed your location, that kind of stuff.
2: But yeah, or yeah. you're hunting down the snowdrift food truck. Remember that. Oh my goodness! All the important <laughs> stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: we were. Uh, it Hopefully, was... that's not the stage frequency that they're on for that. <laughs> Oh, oh, they, it was. Oh, oh, oh,
2: it was! Yes. Oh, of course like, it was. So they, oh, uh, they tried to get the volunteers all these lunches and poor neck control, like the entire rally is trying to hunt down the food truck. It's like every other call was just trying to find this guy. It was it was it was, amazing. Amazing. It was totally. We may have made a drinking game out of it every time we dropped <laughs> attention.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I'm just waiting for, uh, now that you guys have your ham licenses, uh, next time you go to get uh, new license plates, you're going to be doing the custom one that's in your...
2: We can't go that, that far. That,
1: want, <laughs> we,
0: we've agreed once you've gone
1: your call sign on your license plate, you are a ham nerd. So oh, yes, 100%. We are, we, are, we are not going to that level. Sorry to all the ham people out there. We love you. We respect you. <laughs> but that's just too far for us. It is, yeah. it is
2: really confusing, though, because since we took the test at the same time, they assigned them like sequentially. And so ours are one letter apart.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, people are going to get confused uh, trying to figure out who's who now. Trying to get a hold of you guys. <laughs> I guess we have to work together.
2: Or we'll just keep racing. <laughs> or just
0: keep racing. Yep, exactly. Uh, well, and the ham can be very, you know, useful there. Be able to maybe call in to, you know, on a different frequency. Call in to uh, your guys back at, at the crew. get Get communication where there's no cell coverage. You have yeah,
2: we did that at Hardwood because there may have been a miscommunication. I didn't put enough gas in Colin's car. May have, huh? Uh, yeah, he uh, he was able to inform me of that before he was back <laughs> at
1: service
0: <laughs> at the <ham. laughs> Uh, I'm sure the conversation was colorful. Oh, yeah. It, it
1: was it, it all was, it, it, it a whole learning experience. Yes. It just gave his lost his uh,
0: spot as honorary crew chief. So, this so, is, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, you guys both volunteered at LSPR, but how well do you know the stages? Because obviously, usually when you're a volunteer, you go to a stage one day. A stage another day. How well do you know the roads?
1: Not very. I mean, no, it's. I mean, the the control that I was at last year. Literally, we were the start of one stage, and we came off straight off of the logging road. And when we left, we were we exited back the other way, so I didn't even get to like drive the road that way. And then the second day, I was a mile and a half in on a three way intersection, just marshaling the road with a bunch of friends that were just sitting around a bonfire, just making sure no one went on the road and once again that was about a mile and a half in and it was wet it was mucky and that was about it and drove back the same way we came out because that's what we were told to do and the best roads we probably know is the ski hill and uh, mount marquette because we both drove or we drove those uh in jake's uh, wrx uh, last year when we were going through but i mean other than that yeah i mean you hear about like every rally that has their,
2: it's infamous stages, right? And mm-hmm. like any of far as Pond and Azizka House and, well, obviously Concord, but for other reasons. And like LSPR, that stage is Silver Arvon, And they, it's not there this it's year. It's not there. So I feel yeah. like we're totally blind. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I think your suspension will thank you. Well, if it comes back in time. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Silver Arvon. oh, man. I've only driven part of it myself doing a, a recce for a media because uh, I've only been to LSPR once. Still a, a gorgeous rally, though, from what I remember of it. Uh, of course, the time of year you go there also adds to that. It is mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful places in the country you will go at that time of year. But I remember, I think it was Michael Hooper, coming to the end of that stage, and his fairly new suspension he got that year, completely sheer. <laughs> yeah. It, Sounds about that, right. that was not good. So his uh, rally came to an early end on that one. So, yeah, no silver Arvon, uh, I think, for you guys, as as you're learning, maybe a a benefit for this year. They can put it back on the calendar next year. There you go.
2: And I think, you know, for us, like, LSBR is just one of those that has this, like, halo around it right like Mm -hmm. you you hear so much about it and there was wrc history around the area right right? so
0: it was press on regardless back in the 70s there was a time when the world rally championship they did they only did manufacturer championship they didn't have a driver's championship Uh driver's championship didn't start until 1977 and por i don't believe was a wrc round then so it was in like the the 70s era Uh, and this is back when of course it was all just root notes it was Driven all night, hundreds of miles of stages, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was even a uh, Lancia Stratos that competed up there.
2: Well, that's just not fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, talk to uh, Steve Gingrass about that. He was uh, a younger person at the time, and he actually got to see it w- when it was competing. And
2: yeah, and the fact that you know people like that that you know were around the event back there, back then, and like Steve is a co-chair of the event now, and it's just it's so cool that the the local local history just keeps going with that event so we're super excited to run
0: it and for those that are into uh, TSDs you guys do some amazing TSDs in the in the UP there I think they might so call it the press on regardless for the TSD rally and it may not seem like maintaining an average speed is you know exciting but you get into twisty turnies and you're trying to maintain 40 miles an hour it ain't easy yeah no. <laughs> it, it, it's spirited driving trust me <laughs>
2: Back in uh, when I was in New England, I ran uh, Buffum's Winter Challenge Rally in oh, Vermont. Oh, you did do that! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I have
0: heard so many awesome things about
2: his his rally. Like, I would encourage everyone to go, but be ready. Like, it's it's really fun because he he does a really good job of making like the the first section, which is still when it's light out, hard like TSD. Got to pay attention, get the directions right, this, that, and the other. And then the other sections are just like, hang on. It's such a cool event. I I think Travis did it last year right
0: i don't know um I don't, I don't remember who all was uh competing in it last year i, I didn't really follow up on it but yeah it, it is well known i mean they get like hun- like 150 entries or something like that they get a lot of people that do that one it's pretty crazy how many want to get involved in it but i can imagine travis definitely doing it first of all it's kind of not too far from his backyard yeah generally speaking and it is just a fantastic challenge and yeah for all you folks out there it's just you know want to get involved in rallying in some fashion but don't have a car for you know doing stage rally TSDs are a thing they're, they're great they're challenging they're fun you see roads and places that you never would have gone before and, uh, that you would have thought of I've, o- I've only done one myself and I'm hooked I want to do more just more of just kind of getting the time and whatnot to do it but yeah th- they're, they're a thing and his is the best yeah
2: and like there are just so many options for getting started like I, I feel like a lot of people end up helping out other teams and you know, immediately want to jump to stage rally, but there are so many good ways to bridge that gap. Like TSDs are one, there's rally cross, there's hill climbs. That's, I just love seeing all the, like, mini feeder series that us, you know, privateer people end up getting access
1: to.
0: So another thing going on this weekend is actually WRC. Do you guys follow WRC stuff?
1: I I loosely follow it, but I honestly get most of my information from Gabe. Yeah, (laughs) I
2: I do go on about it a bit. It's been an interesting year. I mean, obviously all the hybrid stuff, but I'm a Craig Breen fan, so I'm just just hoping M-Sport can put a couple of good rallies together because... That guy deserves one, but so I think they had like one staged. It's I know it's Acropolis this weekend and isn't isn't mark piakowski there right now
0: yes mark piakowski's out there yeah the acropolis rally oh, and they just did a super special stage in the stadium uh the olympic stadium i guess the last time that was used is 2005 wow. they're, they're happy to be back there of course when greece came back on the calendar it was when the pandemic hit so when they were able to run greece last year they didn't use the stadium stage because it didn't want people you know, I did together. see
2: something from that stage where, I was it Mickelson? Like, yeah. he had a jump too hard, right? At
0: the very beginning, there's, yeah, the, one of the sides goes over a jump. The other one goes into a turn. You know, they kind of do a crossover, right, when they're doing a side-by-side super special. That way, it's the same distance for both. And when they cross, you know, the finish line, it, it's equal distance for both. In this case, there's a jump just past the start and then a hard right. And he got too much air. As soon as he landed, he was locked up on the brakes he jumped just too far and it's concrete barriers Ugh. and clobbered his front left corner and it broke one of the uh, suspension I mean, The wheel was just half sideways yeah. uh, at a 45 degree angle when he was going straight and he was just smoking the whole way along.
2: I didn't see the video yet, but I saw like a picture of him in the air and it gave me major Yachtangle flashbacks <laughs> from Yachtangy Park at S.O.A.R. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was, I think my favorite rally moment this year was still uh, Chris Sladek in the passport, like a million miles in the air on that stage. <laughs>
0: <This is> glorious. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you got the suspension travel in that giant thing, might as well. Yeah, I think he still broke some stuff, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is this is totally fine. But it's not his stuff. It's oh, well, all well, the they're... performance development stuff. So, pfft. Thanks, Honda. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, I I love that those guys can play around with different things. And again, just shows the variety uh, of different vehicles we have to have that giant tank of a thing mixed in with all these other things. Um,
2: Yeah, and then like the rocket ship RAV4 that's
0: going around, right? That's an AP-4. That's an interesting design that that was hopefully going to be competed with uh, by Ryan Millen when he was doing the series and he did the two-wheel drive rav4 right and he won the championship with rihanna gelsimino that was back in i think 2018 which was an automatic by the way it was a six-speed automatic i believe uh oh i the- do
2: remember that yeah. yeah and i think yeah they, so they, they sold Rav it for like-
0: and you know they won the championship in that and he wanted to step it up he has a strong relationship with uh you know obviously with his dad as well but with toyota and he does you know desert racing with them and things like that so he's like I'd really like to have, you know, a RAV4 that's going to be able to do the open class, you know, the four wheel drive. And this is when the Asia Pacific series was coming up with their, their, their bolt on kit, kind of like the proto thing that you see in Poland. It's a kind of the standardized, I guess, gearbox and, and engine, I believe that you kind of bolt into whatever chassis you want. Hmm. And they decided to make a AP4, which is Asia Pacific four-wheel drive oh. is what that stands for. And it was their open class kind of concept they came up with that was supposed to be cheaper than the R5s. The R5s at the time, since they are kind of still newer, when they came up with the concept, were still so expensive. Even the used ones at the time were super expensive. Of course, over time, as more produced and the prices came down, we kind of ran into this situation now where the, you know, building an AP4 is not really more expensive than getting a r5 that's been used uh it's not too beat up but so that that's kind of taken the economic question you know that, that the idea behind it unfortunately is kind of i think ruined that for some folks but but yeah that was the idea is uh i think it was built in new zealand and was shipped back over here unfortunately the sponsorship didn't come through that they were hoping for to back that car toyota alone wasn't enough to run it so it just kind of sat there until somebody was willing to pick it up. Wow. Then we got Alejandro, picked it up, and competed first at Olympus in it. He was just kind of shaking it down, kind of getting used to it, if I remember right. And then he had that super close battle with uh, Sam Albert at Oregon Trail, my home rally. And they finished the, the entire event within... 10 seconds of each other Holy crap. so yeah it was it was it was great to see and Alejandro's oh, freaking fast man yeah that okay. guy is that guy oh man he's so fast and yeah it was great to see that car go out there to compete at Ojibwe I I, I wasn't expecting him to go farther than the west coast because usually kind of sticks around the area but uh, it was great to see it out there yeah for
2: sure I'm glad he took it out I so I didn't know the backstory I just knew that thing is spicy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's sequential gearbox. It's you know, it's all it's all the things. Yeah, and I can't remember what it is, what what the motor is that uh, that powers it and whatnot. I'm sure it's a state of probably sequential, is which a lot of people use. Things like that. But yeah, no, it's a it's a proper competition vehicle, right? Just mm-hmm. put inside a Rav Four chassis. You know, it looks kind of big, I guess at first, but it doesn't perform like a big car. That's for sure.
1: All right, I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks unnatural the speed it's going on the videos i've seen so <laughs> yeah
0: you know in general you know a lot of american stages are in general i would say uh, are fairly wide and fairly fast versus what you'd find in europe and whatnot so you know a chassis like a rav4 isn't going to probably hinder you too much there are some stages some events i'd guess uh sofer's probably the one that's going to be pr- probably the most challenging with how twisty it is for a larger chassis, but beyond that, I, I, you know, a slightly bigger, as long as it's not too gigantic. The passport's the ones that probably had a disadvantage, right? That thing, that thing is gigantic by comparison. But
2: I was I, at Snowdrift this year. I ended up right behind the passport. I can't stop talking about the thing, clearly. But I forget where it was. But we're going down a hill, and because it's ice drift, they spun in that thing. And going down a hill on ice with a Very heavy SUV, completely 90 degrees to the road in front of you is a bit a clencher of a situation.
0: (laughs) Code brown, code brown. (laughs) Sphincter moment, sphincter moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fantastic build, though. I remember I was talking to uh, Sladek and the guys. They had modified the digital dash. For, like, you know, it has electronic modes you can put the car in. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, a little rally mode, and it showed the car, and it was, like, spitting dirt out the back in the graphic. That's that's awesome. Inside the car on the dash. They should sell that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) These guys, you know, that's... And playing around with this stuff is what they do. And I, I it's just awesome. It's so much fun. These are the little things I think that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, the extremes that you rally guys go to for the extra little bit of fun and whatnot to, to, to make these cars competitive and just, just do the things. Some of just to brag about it. I mean, look at that. I mean, did you need to make the graphic do that? No, not at all. Is it cool? Hell yeah.
2: Yeah, I think one of my favorite examples of that is Dylan Gondike always has a, like a Dixie horn in his car and it's (laughs) it's just completely unnecessary, but it's like the best, the spectators always film it because it's got a ridiculous horn going by and, He does usually have to bring, I think it's like a couple dozen fuses just for the horn, but totally (laughs) worth it.
0: So, uh, pro tip, what you do is you mount the horn switch to a button on the co-driver's floor that they can hit with their foot.
2: That's why they go through so many fuses, because Dylan's co-driver, Ben, is on it constantly. (laughs)
0: Well, fans, I think, love to see that stuff. So, um, But yeah, we were, t- we were talking about WRC a little bit. Yeah, I definitely obviously follow that a little bit. But I guess it made me kind of ask questions for you guys about like, this was like one of those tight, super special kind of concept. You have the octangle stage. You have the mountain thing that you're going to be doing there uh, in Marquette. We've got our little super special we do at Port Lauscha Raceway. What do you think about those little super specials that bring the kind of the fans in? But... Boy, you can sure lose it there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I forget what year it was when uh, Travis bonked a, a hay bale that wasn't a hay bale, right?
0: Yes, that was at uh, Ojibwe 2019, I believe. Yeah, he saw a banner over it and he thought, thought it might have been a hay bale in his concrete. Ooh. The first stage Oops. of the rally. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think it's easy to like, drivers maybe don't love them, but it's those aren't for us and i mean i think it's like colin and i went and volunteered at the the super special in marquette for lspr last year and it was a madhouse like seeing the crowds there and
1: everyone hyped up about it like that's how we get people interested Mm -hmm. in volunteering and yeah and, and for those that weren't volunteering at it or didn't have radios at it they almost had to cancel the ski hill stage because of the amount of people that were on the hill, and the lack of volunteers, controlling the crowd was was insane. We were both volunteering at the stages, it was like an hour and ten minutes west of Marquette because they had a transit all the way back to the ski hill in Mount Marquette. We weren't supposed to be doing anything. We were just supposed to be watching. But then Steve Gingras calls me and says, hey, we need your help. Here's the radio. Figure something out. And we were just thrown right into the fire of trying to control the crowd and making sure everyone was safe. And the last stage inevitably almost got canceled, and they delayed it 45 minutes just to get the crowd under control. So. Wow. But, but, I mean... I, yeah,
2: they were able to run it, and, I mean, like, people still talk about that over there, apparently, and, like, all the local places are like, you guys gotta come back. Everyone was there, like, sporting the local economy and everything, mm-hmm. and
1: yeah, I just thought it was super cool. Yeah, and and with... Eric and Steve both being I mean Eric's obviously in the shop all the time with us him and Steve are both co-chairmen with so we get to hear all the the fun stories from the big sponsors that go and you know help out at the event and hearing all the feedback that they got last year and that you know everyone's all in on it this year is just going to make it that much better and obviously the organizing is going to be a little bit different this time around to make it you know funner and safer for everyone so
0: yeah based out of Marquette now though it it seems like that's been a win as much as I you know loved where it was before up in in, uh Houghton right Houghton yep and uh you know that that area is fun it was beautiful and whatnot it sounds like it wasn't a bad move I guess I should say to to move to Marquette for the for the primary location for the rally
2: yeah I mean I think it's It's easy to forget how fragile the relationships with all these events in the local communities are. But if you can move one to somewhere easily accessible that like so many locals can go to and get hyped up about rally the the way the rest of us addicts are like, that's such a good thing. And even if you sacrifice like 10 stage miles to go run a super special, it's totally worth it to make the event stick around.
0: I'm 100 percent in agreement there. So, Colin, you were saying that you work for Tesla right? Correct. So that brings up electrification. It does. <laughs> a subject I like to talk about. Obviously, we're seeing the hybrids in the WRC. I'm actually a huge fan of hybrid technology. I didn't used to be as much, but now it's kind of become more refined and, and you can see, wow, the torque. I mean... As much juice as you, I guess you could put in the damn electric motor. Yep. <laughs> um, the, the you know, torque is amazing on what you can do, especially off the line. What I dislike that the WRC is doing is their whole concepts of the of the different programmings. I don't know if you read the rule book or looked at the rules at the beginning of, of the season, but they have these different programming modes that they have to decide in advance of the start of the day. Mm-hmm. There's like four different programs that they submit to the fia for approval you know ones maybe it, it's from i kind of heard but again they're completely type lipped on this per manufacturer which i kind of get but i think it does a disservice to us rally fans if you want to really sell hybrid i think we need the details and it's like some of it could be based on like throttle position and when it engages there's a certain amount of regen you have to do under braking before it allows you to use it again mm-hmm. on acceleration and whatnot you know conceptually you know, this idea of being able to have... I, I think probably the batteries are a little big what they're using because when you're just kind of using it for these kind of boosts in, in moments. Yep. I, I'm not sure if they really need what they're really kind of using it for right now, other than they like to turn it on full electric mode to go through service and things like that to kind of show it off. Yep. But yeah, I guess what's your thoughts on hybridization and then future electrification, maybe in rallying? Safety-wise, I know there's a little bit of a concern, as well as, uh, you know, I guess the the potential performance that it could
1: add yeah i'm very much for it and coming prior to tesla i was at toyota so i'm very up to par on the hybrid technology too and how it can be used in a motorsport aspect other than just a economical standpoint too and uh, i mean i'm totally for it i mean obviously you can't replace the sound and the feel of the internal combustion engine i mean in being realistic it's probably never going to go away in a motorsport standpoint but seeing the boundaries that you can push with you know hybridization and electrical electrification is you know just astounding the 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 first time i drove a plaid at work and i was able to just absolutely give it the beans and you feel the blood from the front of your face go to the (laughs) back of your head is just it's another feeling that you you will never ever get in a well i mean you could get it if you drive a funny car and a train car. But for the most part, you're never going to get that in an internal combustion engine car. But bringing up the safety standpoint of it, that's, I mean, even just for cars on the road, external impacts pushing the boundaries of how fast you can discharge the battery through the motors, you know, how fast the motors are spinning, you know, they're like, carbon-sleeved rotors to try to hold everything together and just potential explosions of, you know, those things spinning fast or fires, it's, I mean, it's super dangerous, and I don't think we're at a point where you could, like, dedicate an entire class to it yet. I do like what NASA's doing with, like, their unlimited license, where you can essentially pay $800 and do whatever you want from like a, you know, as long as it's like technically approved, but I still think hybridization is definitely on the up and up and it's only going to get better, you know, the more they use it, the more they learn from it. But electrification I think is still going to be, especially from a stage rally standpoint, still probably going to be years and years out before we see like a, a car that can, go a full event and i mean the recharging or the replacement of the battery in between stages is a huge concern too because they say they're rated for 300 miles of economical use but how many miles is that for a stage rail oh, yeah, you know when you're going full throttle all the time and have instant torque at you know the step of your right foot you know how far can you go so it's it's interesting and there's obviously a lot of things that I wish I could say, but the amount of NDAs I assign at Tesla is a little insane. Yeah, we're not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it's it's super exciting to see, and you know, it's pushing the boundaries and learning all the stuff you know that the race engineers do. It's going to be cool once it comes around. But from a safety standpoint, I don't think it's feasible until we get the data and the design, and we're able to execute it. You know, without putting competitors and spectators safety on the line so and i think it's it's cool to just see
2: people trying like i'll let people that know what they're doing like colin sort out the safety things and everything <laughs> but just the fact that people are working on stuff like this and we might be able to keep rallying when gas is someday not a thing is it's awesome like yeah i think hayden Patton has I
0: was gonna go there something yep. in new
2: zealand right the kona
0: Yep, a fully electric Kona that he's been uh, working on developing down there in New Zealand. He's competed with it in a couple of events. It's still obviously a prototype. More recently when he ran it, that I remember like a year ago, year and a half ago, he's kind of asking for input because they put like the sound maker kind of thing on it that I don't know how they did it, but found a way to make it kind of make some electrical, but sounds that were loud enough to hear it coming. Because for me, one of the things that drives me nuts is... You know, I don't want to have something that sounds like one of those uh, Revenger sirens from the old uh, alarm systems, you know, <laughs> trying to warn spectators because a fast car is coming. I, I want to hear at least something that sounds like a motor of some sort. In the case of, of that car, and and you kind of hear this also with the new electrification that's in the um, rally cross that's now being run, mm-hmm. is it sounds like an RC car, right? A remote control car, um, which I know I played with as kids, you know, building those. It's okay, I'd rather there be, even if it's just like a speaker kind of giving some false sound, but it's kind of related to throttle position, you know, or something uh, that that then use that as the sound to kind of help. Well, the out.
2: speaker thing's a slippery slope. Like, uh, I forget what. It, wasn't there a car at Pike's Peak this year that had like a frog sound playing as its electric Warner? I thought I remembered something about that. Uh,
0: there are people coming up with some yeah weird ideas, some just <laughs> funny, but. Yeah, again, it, it's better to say But yeah, I think, I think we need to come up with something. Yeah, it, you're right. It is a slippery slope. You could kind of make it do anything. It, it does make me wonder on that front. On the safety side of things, though, yeah, NASA says pay 800 bucks, but what does that get you? That doesn't make it safer, right? No, absolutely not. So who who's the uh, trained personnel out there that, that is trained in dealing with an electrical fire? Yeah. To be fair, what I was going to say is like hybrids and full electrics have been on their road how long now? Mm-hmm. For the regular public. Granted, they're not racing. They're not also racing between trees, which we do, but... It does make you wonder, like, well, I mean, there's people trained and obviously dealing with this in some fashion, right? So you'd think that we'd be able to come up with something in the not too distant future to be able to handle this. It is something that makes me concerned, but at the same time, also wonder why we haven't gotten there. You know? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I think what's cool is you have like, I think we're pretty lucky that, like you mentioned, the rallycross stuff. Like everyone at VSC is super smart, and they're working on this. And mm-hmm. you know, out of those series, hopefully, not tomorrow, but eventually, we start something getting solutions. Moves over. Yeah. Yeah, to keep us racing.
0: Yeah, I think the challenge there is when you're dealing with a series that's in a closed course, you can have a safety team that goes from an event to event that's always with the team, right? Think of it like IndyCar. IndyCar has their, I guess, their AMR safety team now. They used to be rebadged at uh, Homalturo or whatever it was. But these guys follow the teams. Uh, They follow the event. It's not local. That's a good point. You you know, this is Mm -hmm. the dedicated IndyCar series safety team. I'm kind of thinking if you're you're doing a a series that has a full electric, you're not going to be using just the local safety guys. You're going to be using probably someone that knows how to deal with those situations, that's going to have to go from event to event. And with us, we're spread out over a stage. We're not in a closed area You'd have to have more of those people and have them spread out. So, uh, that again, that's just kind of where my thought process goes on it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, there's definitely going to be things learned as they start doing it with Rallycross, especially there where they run into each other a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and run into things. So maybe that, you're right, that that, that, that might be the thing on that. But um, I, I think that the future isn't dead. The, to me, that what got really exciting for me actually was the the previous event with the WRC, which was at Zebra, Um, on the tarmac and Toyota had a hydrogen combustion engine rally car. I
2: forget who drove that but I remember it was someone cool.
0: It was Juhok Yep. Yeah (laughs) that's right I'm like somebody important because he was on actually the broadcast. Yeah that's
2: super cool and I don't know I just like I I like seeing all the different approaches and at least the manufacturers are trying right like none of us want to stop racing and we're we're relying on the Big money, folks, to figure this out for us regional normies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just waiting to see somebody make a GR Corolla uh, rally car, because I think that would be badass.
2: We were talking about that We were talking about that earlier, earlier today. We'll start a timer the first time we see one on the road, and, oh, no, I'm going, like, nine months or less, someone's gauging one.
0: The tough thing is, is these things are so computerized now. I don't know how... So, as an example, the Focus RS was gonna be like, wow, we gotta bring this into rallying, right? It was going to be the competition to to Subaru. Well, the way that they had the computerized controlled differentials and stuff for the four wheel drive system, Tim O'Neill was telling me, he was like after thirteen minutes or something like that of, of sliding the car around, it goes into limp mode. Yeah,
2: I remember they worked really hard on that thing and it it wasn't playing ball, but
0: he had to get a special Ford engineer to unlock the car. To, be wow. able to <laughs> allow it to function and he only allowed like two cars that were tims that he owned to be unlocked that's why and yeah, as development cars and and they wouldn't do any more they, i don't know if they just saw too much risk what it, it's just sad but i mean that's just kind of it makes me think of you know is this going to be the thing with the corolla are we going to run into the same problem or are you just gonna have to gut the thing and put in your own
2: i like the uh the solution that i think it was Chris Nonak, who's probably gonna kill me for spoiling his master plan. I think he like asked Preston because it's a Toyota engine, if I like put it in an ancient Trano or something is it is it limited legal? That's the It's the type of ARA ingenuity we need for for these types of problems.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, we do have, of course, uh, Sam Albert now working on a Ferrari motor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting. Yeah, I I saw he
2: posted an update yesterday and just like cranking the engine over and the wheels were turning. And I'm I'm just getting more and more excited. It's going to be so cool.
0: Yeah, racing is not dead. Rallying is not dead. There's so much more to come. And I don't know, maybe it's just pushing more inventive ideas now with these potential challenges coming up that people are just thinking outside the box. I don't know. Maybe people have always been like this. You know, I've only been around it since 2010. It definitely is a long ways away from what the FIA does where everything's homologated. Mm -hmm. But from a competition standpoint, I I must say that the new rally three car is kind of cool.
2: Yeah. It's not slow either. I mean... It, it, it moves. <laughs> yeah, they've been... There's one here, right? One of the blocks is running one. Yeah. Uh, Lucy's running
0: it. That's Lucy's car. Yep. Yeah, she's pretty rapid in it. And uh, she's been getting faster and faster in it. But yes, it, there's a, a Canadian that has one. So there's at least two I've heard of. Several others are, are looking into getting those potentially. I'd love to see enough of them that they could be in their own class because they're about... From what I've heard, they're about 85 90% the performance of an R5 but at a much cheaper cost than R5s are anyway. And they still have, like, you know, some body panels and stuff that you can fix yourself and not, again, be all carbon fiber or whatever stuff that's, like, super expensive. Uh-huh. Granted, there's performance parts that have to come from M Sport that aren't, still aren't cheap that'll probably need to be replaced. But in general, they're, they're a much more affordable car to run. And, yeah, at, at 90% of R5 for, yeah, I think about half the price of think what R5 is, that sounds pretty tantalizing and. Proper race cars, but they kind of don't fit anywhere, right? It, it's almost like they're like the H6. Yeah, you've got this, you know, tier of, of cars that are like they—they have to be open, four-wheel drive because I mean it's a full-on, it's a sequential gearbox, it's four-wheel drive. It, it, you know, it's it's a full race setup thing, but it's never going to touch the R5s. It's never going to, you know, but yet it's going to be definitely beating most of the limited fours. So it's kind of its own place. And it's you know, always a struggle, I guess, I have is close competition, you know, versus the creativity of kind of building your own thing. And when when you do kind of force people into that FIA box, it does force good competition. It comes down to the driver. But I also like all the neat stuff that we get to see. So,
2: yeah, it's a tricky question. I mean, we have limited is kind of an example of that right like ARA limited is is a lot looser than like the production class they have in Canada. And it's right. It's good and bad, right? I mean, you get to see, like, Texas Dave absolutely hauling the mail and mixing it up with some big money cars. But, you know, would a production class have closer competition for less money per mile? Maybe. So definitely not an easy problem.
0: Yeah, definitely a challenge. And I, I get it, though. Uh, you know, I think I think some of that kind of opened up when the newer body style subarus that were bigger ended up having some challenges (laughs) and think to make them more reliable was like put race components on it right Mm -hmm. and but once you do that now suddenly you're open class and you're never going to touch a podium so i can can see the challenge in that class because they want to try and keep people within well when it comes to race parts right as colin you probably know this better than all of us either have ones that are designed for lightweight and to be replaced on a regular basis Mm -hmm. or you have things that are built for strength for performance in that respect. And I I think in some cases you kind of have to go that strength type of performance part because the factory one just isn't going to hold up.
1: Exactly. Just dumping the extra money in it for the longevity is going to be worth it more than just driving around the ticking time bomb. So
0: Uh always a tough challenge. So are you guys ready for LSPR? How much how much more prep you guys got to do? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Colin's got less than
2: I do. We'll put it that way. Yeah.
1: I've, I've <laughs> got minor reprep, one wheel that needs to get welded because I put a hole in it because I got lodged where it shouldn't have gotten lodged and have to add the fire suppression system motor past all the compression and leak down tests after the first event. So that was very, very uh, uh, exciting. And just a bunch of the little stuff that didn't get done before hardwood, the extra underbody armor, bringing an extra set of wheels, you know, snow tires. Cause it's LSPR. You never know. And bring
0: all the tires. <laughs> yeah. All the, all,
1: all the other little small things that didn't need to get done for the NASA event that need to get done for ARA mm-hmm. and just very minor, you know, mechanical repairs, which thank the Lord, I don't have to deal with any of that right now. So <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it has been great.
2: Like, uh, so we we did the rally.bill purchase like not not that far before hardwood and all of a sudden we're like oh we don't have this we don't have this wait a minute Colin was our number one customer for a while but yeah
0: <laughs> that's awesome but what what all you got left to do Gabe
2: well assuming the suspension comes back it's I'm in a weird position that like my car is is ready mm-hmm. which is normally not the case so now I can just kind of focus on making it better um It's like I just changed to the 36 mil restrictor since we have it. So, you know, that requires a retune and other little bits and bobs, like want to refresh the vinyl stuff because my windshield has a million chips in it and that should get swapped out. And it's always an endless list, right? And Mm -hmm. we always like the two of us after a rally, we'll go and make a list of everything that we need to get done before the next one. And we have all these grand plans, you know, we'll get everything done in a month, whatever. And then a week before the rally, you're going and highlighting things that you can skip instead, and yep. <laughs> it's just inevitable. But that's, I, I think Colin feels the same way. But it's just being able to make it to the start line, knowing that you got yourself there, is that's just that's that's such just a, a blast. It's yeah. a
1: satisfying challenge within itself. So
0: what are you guys using for rubber?
2: Oh, we got all kinds of options now. So I, uh, I went and bought fifty tires or so off of Kyle Tilly down in Indy, and we basically have like the mother load at the 608 rally headquarters now so we i think both of us are going to be running MRFs but we have a couple of, of ringer tire sets like we have a i have a set of pirelli softs that i got mm-hmm. and then uh, colin's got some pirelli mediums which might survive a little better or spr so traction ice snows uh, Yeah. ao34s what
0: you have some actual ao34s
2: I got a set of AO34s from from Dr. Tilly over there. Yeah. So wow. that's one of those where, like, it'll take up all the space you don't have in your trailer. And then the one time that the conditions are right, yeah. you're golden. But yeah. this is why. Uh,
0: yeah. It better be pretty snowy for those, though, because uh, if it starts to clear up, then those things puncture easy. So you got to yeah. be careful. Yeah.
2: Colin and I keep talking about, so we really want to get a, a van to do, like, on-site support with yeah. Rally.Build, you know, A, because that'd
0: be awesome. Like, like a like a converted Sprinter van or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly I love it. I
2: also have a 40-foot school bus, which might end up being the Rally.Build van, but at least then we could bring all of our tires for the two of us.
0: <laughs> well, like you say, uh, LSPR, bring all the tires. Uh, yeah, conditions can definitely change uh, in an instant up there, although now these days it's just been freaking hot everywhere hopefully things aren't too sweaty and and sultry out there um or and not flooding and that seems to be the two options you're either frying or you're flooding yeah. these days <laughs> it's it's dramatic either way you go <laughs> yeah exactly so hopefully there, are being in october things you know kind of calm down it's a good 65 70 degrees out there and uh everybody has a good time uh so how does everybody uh you know follow you guys and if they need anything how do they get a hold of rally.build
1: so facebook uh my uh rally page is a uh, 608 rally sport instagram 608 rally sport personal stuff colin schultz instagram colin schultz schultz are at the Schmotz. my wife runs my uh my uh, rally tiktok which is the uh 608 B because it's wrapped in yellow and black with all the Helltech sponsors. So she runs that for Rally.Build. Colin at Rally.Build. Gabe at Rally.Build. I think that's pretty much everything for me and Gabe will yeah, say his. You can tell Colin's pretty
2: decent at organizing all this stuff. <laughs> so GarboZoom is my page. And then, yeah, obviously Rally.Build is the website. We're working on something for Whaley.Build to get some some super champion merch going out, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah, and then uh, Rally.Build's also on Instagram, Facebook, and we're trying to be, like, super responsive about getting back to people and shipping orders out. We always say that uh, we need to start a separate email called chaos at Rally.Build, so that <laughs> when it's, like, two days before an event and someone's like, can you overnight and then have my friend pick something up at the airport? Like, all that stuff's always super fun trying to get stuff to people, so
1: we've we've already had our first case of that, which we had to drive. I, I drove 35 minutes west to drop off a Monet rally computer at, at Daryl Bergen's house and then he delivered it to Ojibwe, yeah, Ojibwe to Alan DeBasa who's driving a Ford it was a rally to yeah, a rally yeah. tour or whatever so that was our first case of it and I'm sure something might happen over the next week with STPR and Who knows for LSPR, but at least we have the the rally ship option for that, so.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Now probably for the most important question of the entire conversation here is, this one's for Gabe. Oh, no. Gabe, (laughs) just, you got to tell me, man, (laughs) how many rally memes per hour can you actually do? Uh. Because, man, you, you have a special talent that I think most of us would just have to bow to you as being the king of rally memes.
2: I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Like, it's, it has been kind of ridiculous. Like, I, you know, we all know each other in the rally community online. And then you get to events and have to kind of pick up the pieces like, oh, yeah, I know you on Facebook, this and the other. And, like, the last year I always get, oh, you're that game. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's a good and bad reputation it for is. him. I mean, I think, like, that page... Which, first of all, for the record, I did not start. <laughs> not true. It's good and bad, kind of, with all social media things. Like, I think it's awesome just that people are so engaged and everyone knows what's going on and this, that, and the other. There has been a lot of just something happens and everyone will dogpile on it, and then it just gets ugly. And so I think, like, all the all the people that are admitting it and moderating it, we've gotten a lot better at not letting that happen. Yeah. But, yeah, and then it's, I mean, it that page, like created an entire championship which is Being somehow everything well that people cares about so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was uh, i have my stickers i got stickers wickberg got me uh, hooked up awesome yeah it's amazing like so that whole that whole thing started because chris nonak made the mud whale meme in microsoft paint like <laughs> a year and a half ago and it's just completely snowballed from there. It's, it's awesome. But, I mean, that's like, we can have all these super expensive, like, crazy championships, but we have to have fun with this. And
1: yeah. I think the Champion itself, is just it's been so cool to watch yeah. everyone
2: get amped up about it. Yeah.
1: And, and the fact that you see the Super Champion sticker on uh, Travis Pastrana's onboard in his car is just kind of a cool thing that he, wa- he wanted the sticker so he could put it there for everyone to see. So, yeah. <laughs> I think our favorite
2: rally.build build moment so far, or it's certainly up there, is uh, so Chris Nonak made a like a Mud Whale or a Mud Whale email account, oh my and so we got an email from Mud Whale with like the sticker files, so we could use them, and that was that was our biggest Rally achievement today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you guys have fun at LSBR. Awesome that you guys have taken over the uh, Rally dot build. Um, You're going to do it justice. And any last words for uh, our followers? Uh, None other
2: than to thank you, Mike. I mean, it's it's super easy to take for granted all the people we have covering the perpetual fledgling sport of rally in the U.S., right? But, I mean, we're so thankful that you provide us all this content. I mean, I was telling Colin earlier, like, I usually don't listen to the podcast until I'm going to a rally, and then I binge every single one of them while I'm towing. (laughs) And so uh, we're just it's awesome to see everyone supporting the, the community and, and you play a big part in that. So we definitely want to say thanks. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much well, thank for you
0: that. Guys. I mean, it's, I, I just pick up the phone and call. <laughs> 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 you do most of the work, but yeah, no, um, I I love just being part of it, and uh, yeah, we'll have to uh, catch up with you guys, I think, uh, after you finish LSPR and see how it went. When
2: we finish LSPR.
0: Yes, when when you finish LSPR. Hoping to see those speed factor numbers just kind of tick up a bit for you guys. Well, mine can only go up because it's zero, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, definitely, uh, you know, both of you guys, it would be nice to see you guys uh, getting closer together, and uh, hopefully without restrictory. (laughs) He doesn't beat you there, Gabe. <laughs>
1: well, we'll, we'll do some sort of side bet with it later. Yeah, we'll so. <laughs> have <fun> with it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So, Gabe Jacobson, car number 588, and Colin Schultz, car number 608. You guys, thanks for so much for uh, being on the Paddock Rallycast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our
2: pleasure. Appreciate right.
0: it. Have a good night. Bye bye. See you, Mike. Bye. bye. You know what I hate? Big, bulky, underperforming batteries lighten your load with performance battery from melee design firm they have time-tested solutions for your race car rally car or even your daily commuter make sure you check us out at melee design a proud sponsor of the open paddock Rallycast since 2020 and thank you again to our supporters oz rally pro and melee design firm and i'd like to send a special happy birthday to our audio editor Derek johnson love Man, I I love you, man, and and thanks for all the hard work you put in behind the scenes. This show honestly couldn't uh, do what it does without all the stuff you do behind the scenes and and whatnot. I I really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, happy birthday. Another uh, lap around the sun. There you go. Anyways, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and remember, keep the shiny side up.